G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Whether you are a parent, whether you have a role in your local church, whether you're a small business person or maybe you're leading a bigger enterprise, there'll be some things you'll be able to glean this hour as we talk about leadership in the marketplace. And two very special guests to welcome to our conversation to uh, to enlighten us on a whole lot of different areas. And I know we'll be talking about some practical things this coming hour. Dr. Richard Blackaby, who's well known around the world as a mentor on spiritual leadership in the home, in the church and in the marketplace, regularly mentors Fortune 500 CEOs in corporate America. He's co-authored a whole bunch of books, including experience. Experiencing God, God in the Marketplace, and The Inspired Leader. And alongside Richard today is Dr. Bob Royal, who's Coaching Director for Blackaby Ministries International. He coaches, he trains executives, and uh, of course, ministry leaders too. So to both of you gentlemen, Dr. Richard Blackaby, and to Dr. Bob Royal, welcome along to 2020. Welcome to you firstly, Richard. That's good to be with you. And uh, Bob. Thank you very much. Well, the conversation today, it's an interesting conversation because not everybody uh, appreciates leadership in the same way because there are some people who think that leaders are born and if you're not a leader now, you never will be. Others appreciate the other idea that leaders are made and what you are now in leadership may not be the same for your entire existence. I guess this is one of those things you come across quite often, Richard Blackaby, is is the idea that leaders, are, are they born or are they made? What are your thoughts? Well, I don't know any leader that wasn't born at one point, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I whenever I go to a church or a gathering and I ask people, how many of you here in this room are leaders? Oh, there's always a minority that raise their hand, even in a leadership conference, of all things. And I, I think that people are almost afraid to identify themselves as a leader. And many times it's because they don't feel they're very good at it. But the fact is, I tell people, if you are, for instance, a parent, you have the greatest leadership role that there is on earth. And so whether you see yourself as a leader or not, you better learn how to be the best leader you can be. This is an interesting aspect, isn't it? Uh, We might think that we're leaders, but we might be reluctant to put our hand up in a meeting where uh, Richard Blackaby is saying, if you're a leader, raise your hand, because we we might feel a little bit uh, overwhelmed by that. But there is a sense, isn't there, that sometimes this lack of confidence in being a leader is a challenge for almost everyone. Well, it is. And I think the fact is most leaders would say that they're struggling, that they're not having the success that they uh, would like to have. There's a lot of parents that feel that way about their kids. They would say, I I feel like I've failed in many ways to raise my kids the way that uh, I should have. They're maybe not walking with God, but I raised them up in the church or they're rebellious or they're involved in things that disappoint me. And so I guess I failed as a leader. And I would, I would just encourage people to say, well, don't, don't focus on your failure. Just just come before God and say, God, and what would it take for me to lead at a level higher than I ever have led before? And 
God always has an answer for that question. Richard, when you talk about leadership, do you discuss leadership principles that apply right across the broad spectrum of where people might lead, from, uh, as you mentioned, parents in families uh, to churches into the marketplace? And you're also a coach and mentor to people who are at the top end of corporate America and some of those Fortune 500 companies. Uh, Do the same principles apply for Fortune 500 company executives Executives, as they do, right down to uh, to that that parent who's uh, perhaps struggling along, leading their own children. You know, I think they do, and of course, there's different dimensions. If you lead a company that has a million employees, there's going to be some uh, issues you'll face that perhaps a parent of one child doesn't face. But but the issues are, are similar. And what I would also say is that if you're a Christian, uh, we 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 identify spiritual leadership as something different than just leadership. You could be an atheist and be a leader. But when you've got the Spirit of God dwelling within you and empowering you and giving you the wisdom of heaven at your disposal, there's a different kind of leadership that you can do that an unbeliever in God is not capable of doing. And so for Christians, boy, grab hold of that and say, I, I may feel like a failure as a parent, but I've got the Spirit of God himself within me to help me be successful. I'm sure we'll be talking some more about that. Let me just come to Bob Royal for a moment. Bob, you're in charge of coaching and training and raising up leaders uh, with Blackaby Ministries. Uh, when you're involved in this process, uh, do people feel confident about their own leadership? Do they come to you because they feel not confident? Or do leaders actually come to you and say, I, I need to train to get to the next level because really I'm, I'm, I just recognize there's a lot of inadequacies in my own leadership? That's a very good question. It's, it's an interesting place where people begin. Very often it's a place of pain. Uh, I, for example, I coached with a very successful pastor who uh, was in a doctoral program. In fact, two different ones who were in a doctoral program, and they had stalled out. And in their own minds, they could not see themselves as being capable of finishing at that level. And through coaching, we were able to say, think about this. God led you to found a church that has now started a number of other churches. It's a very successful church. You faced challenges. What did you learn from those experiences you can bring to bear here? And so a lot of it is is drawing out the God-given capacity within a person and, and calling forth the leadership that they perhaps have not seen. When you say that there are those points, those low points, uh, crisis points in a person's development, uh, these the, the the points where you really take notice and say, okay, I've got to pick myself up, dust myself off, and I've got to look to uh, meet the uh, the inadequacies that I've seen that got me to this point, and I've got to go to the next level, but I've got to correct those things that have held me back. Is that the way you'd look at it? Well, there are two ways you can look at things. One, uh, a more of a counseling perspective, a counselor would come to someone who says, I have this problem, and that they start at the beginning at the issue of the problem and try to get them to health so that they can move forward. With coaching, you start with the capacity that God's given them and move them forward. Both of those are, are good, but with coaching, you're focusing on what God can do. As you... As you know, Scripture says that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. All of these Scriptures, very often, when when we run into challenges, we forget. 
And so when a coach comes alongside someone who walks with God and helps this person believe in what God can do through them, then great things are, are possible. Richard Blackaby, when you hit that wall, when you are at that point of despair, when you feel like you've failed, uh, you can't go any further, and you want to take things to the next level, is this the point where people realize that leadership is one of those important issues where you do need to have uh, someone who can be your mentor, your guide, your coach? I think so. I think being at that place you described is actually a very great place. The problem is for a lot of us, we don't realize how much we do need help. And so we keep sort of flailing about on our own and getting mediocre results. And so I, I tell people, if you've experienced failure right now, you're in a wonderful position. In fact, sometimes the problem with us is we experience a little bit of success, just enough to inoculate us from thinking that we need help. And so if you're in a place of failure, uh, you're in a great place. And so there, there are people that can come alongside and help you, and, uh, and you don't have to stay where you are. That, I guess that's the bottom line that we keep sharing with people is you don't have to stay where you are. And, and you know what we also tell people is it costs a lot of people for you to stay where you are. For me, you know, my kids need to have a great man of God as a father. So if I'm a mediocre man of God, it's going to cost my kids if I am content to stay as a mediocre father. I want to be a great dad, not for my sake, but for my kids. They deserve that. And so even if, if I'm content just to stay where I am, I love my kids too much. I love my wife too much to just still be the same leader, the same man of God, the same parent that I've been in the past. Well, 1-800-316-316, if you'd like to be part of our conversation, we'll open our talkback lines. You might have a question or you might have a comment uh, for either of our two guests this hour. Dr. Richard Blackaby is known around the world as a mentor on spiritual leadership. In fact, he's the co-author of a whole bunch of different books with his father, Henry Blackaby. So that name, Blackaby, when you hear Blackaby and Blackaby, uh, quite well known when it comes to uh, areas of leadership, understanding and coaching. Dr. Bob Royal's also our guest. He's the coaching director for Blackaby Ministries International. You might like to contribute to our conversation. There could be a whole bunch of ways you might like to be part of it. Do you think Australia's Christian leaders are prepared for the challenge that lie ahead of us and is it important for Christian business people to think of their work as a ministry in the marketplace the talkback line open on 1-800-316-316 1-800-316-316 Richard we often think of uh, leadership when it comes to small business uh, people who are working there in the marketplace and you you know there are mentors that 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 raise up small business people and they become small business leaders they become uh, capable and able to be able to run their small business and there is a sense in which you can feel as though those business leadership principles that you learned you learned from secular people in the marketplace, all sorts of principles that you can pick up left, right and centre. You can go to all sorts of conferences and you can get great ideas about how to increase your small business, how to market your small business, how to run your small business. What difference does it make when you introduce God into the thinking of a small business person? Well, you know, I would say there certainly are some principles about leadership that apply, for, like like delegation. You know, whether you're an atheist or a Christian, if you delegate to others, the work, that's a good thing. But the problem for a lot of Christian leaders is that we just, uh, without really discerning very much, we just pull all kinds of worldly thinking right into how we do God's work, even if it's raising a, trying to raise a godly family. 
And uh, in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, God said, your ways are not my ways. Uh, Your thoughts are not my thoughts. And for a lot of Christians, we don't believe that. We think that if it works in business, then it will work in the church, it will work in our home, it will work in our marriage. And one of the things that we keep coming back to is to say, now there's lots of great principles there, but but you've got to go back to the, is it in the Bible? Is it is this God's way? Just because it can grow a secular company does not mean that you just take everything wholesale into how you run a church or how you run your family. And that's where we found a lot of Christians who, uh, they, they kind of shipwrecked their family or even churches because they pulled the world right into the church and then wondered why the world's methods weren't growing their church. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. You can be part of our conversation on 1-800-316-316. We are talking about being a Christian leader in the marketplace. And two outstanding guests this hour and uh, looking to uh, have a scenario or two, you might like to be part of our conversation. Uh, Tell us what you think is happening so far as leaders. Leaders born? Are leaders made? Do you think Australia's Christian leaders are prepared for the challenges that are ahead? Do you think that once you actually get to a point where you are a leader that you don't have to change anymore? Well, there's, I guess, a lot of evolving that happens in leadership. And Richard Blackaby, this sort of evolution of the leader, uh, you can't stay the same forever. You certainly get to a point where you stagnate if you don't have your thinking challenged regularly. Well, that's true. You know, if you watch a business, I've seen some very creative entrepreneurs who started a business and it was growing and flourishing. But over time, you, you see it begin to plateau. And you think, now, why is this plateaued? Why is this even declining? This was a, such a creative entrepreneurial leader. There was so much excitement in the beginning. But what happened is that leader stopped growing. And often it's because they experienced some initial success. And so then they think, I'm good at this, and they stop growing. They just keep doing what has garnered them success in the first place. You know, it's interesting to me. I think sometimes that happens as parents. There's a lot of parents that will say, well, I don't know what happened to my kids. They were great as preschoolers, but when they became teenagers, all of a sudden they went crazy on me, and now we're having arguments and fights. And certainly children who become teenagers, they have issues. But you know what I find sometimes is that the parents stop growing. They were, good, they were great at parenting preschoolers, but their parenting skills stopped growing. And by the time their children reach teenage years, you're using preschool principles on teenagers, and they stop growing. And you, you can't parent a teenager the way you parented younger children and preschoolers. And so oftentimes, a lot of the problems I'm, I'm seeing in churches, in business, and even in homes is because the leaders stopped growing and the, their circumstance, the people that they were responsible for began to suffer as a result. Bob Royal, when we talk about this level of leadership development, I mean, some people will say, don't we just learn by the practical experience that we have? How much is the balance between the theory of understanding leadership uh, to be balanced against these experiences that we have, the ability to tell the stories, the ability to have those practical insights into leadership? Well, certainly you have, uh, uh, you have the capacity to grow as you learn things along the way, but there are spiritual learnings that happen as well. Think about Moses, for example. What did he learn after he attempted to fix things in Egypt? He learned that he was a failure. And when God called him at the burning bush, he was hiding as far away from Egypt as possible. So if you had asked him in that moment, are you a leader, are you a good leader, he would say absolutely not. 
but the difference is what God can do in a person who is humble before God and obedient. And uh, that does take some humility. It, it does mean you have to come to the end of yourself, but at the same time believe in the capacity of God to work through you. Richard Blackaby, that feeling, uh, this is a, such an in, incredible point to be talking about uh, because if you don't feel like a leader, you might not be pursuing areas of leadership because you're somehow rather uh, washed up or, you know, you feel like you've, you've had your day. Maybe you've got to a retirement level and you decided that uh, you've got no more to contribute. But uh, this feeling that you have, this is not necessarily a good guide is what I pick up from Bob. Well, yeah, and I think just imagine what would happen in the church in Australia and around the world if all those people in the pew who keep telling God and others, I'm just, I'm just ordinary, uh, if all of a sudden they stop with that uh, mantra and actually just turn to God and said, and God, what is it you want to do through my life? Like Bob said, Moses would have said, I'm a failure. I can't do anything. Gideon would have said, I'm the youngest. I'm the least. Uh, David, his dad didn't even bring him out before Samuel as a, possible leader, some of the people God has used in the greatest ways are the ones who never saw themselves as leaders. And I suspect that the church pews are filled with such people today who aren't doing what God wants them to do because we've just assumed, well, I'm I'm ordinary. And as my father always said, when you say I'm ordinary, you're actually saying more about what you believe about God than about how ordinary you are. You're saying even Almighty God who created the universe is not powerful enough to use someone as ordinary as me. And I think revival in the church just waits for us to stop focusing on how ordinary we are and just surrendering entirely to God and saying, God, what incredible thing do you intend to do through my life? Sometimes when we're feeling not so good about our leadership, it's because we're comparing ourselves with the image that others have uh, where they look good and they have particular traits as a leader. And you can tell those things and you say, well, that must be the picture of the leader. Uh, but we might not all have those things, but no. uh, but that's not necessarily the important thing. Comparison's not not always a valuable uh, focus. No. I'd say if, you know, people have said to me, well, I sense that God wants me to start this men's ministry in my church or he wants me to start this business, but I, I can't see how I could do that because I'm so ordinary. And I would say, well, the key is not what you you think. The key is what God is saying. And if God is speaking to you, then step up and let him show you what he can do. But you're exactly right. We say, but I'm not a Winston Churchill-type orator, or I'm not a, you know, a, a strong uh, a commanding presence. So I, you know, I, I don't like uh, public speaking, so I guess God can't use me. And yet any student of history could begin to pull out just dozens of examples where people weren't good speakers or they weren't physically impressive, but they still turned their world upside down. And with God, all things are possible, and it's, it's time for more Christians to begin living that way. Bob Royal, the difference between being ordinary and being great uh, what is the factor that that is in there? Because uh, from what uh, Richard's sharing there, I mean, the greatness isn't really counted as to how we feel about it, but how do you become a great leader from being an ordinary person? Well, I think what Richard talked about of, of having a capacity to believe that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world the belief that you have that God can do all things. And when you can get a hold of that, you can let go of your own failures. 
it's when we, like Peter, are standing there looking at the water rather than looking at Christ and the power that he has, then that's when failure happens. But it's not how much I bring to the table. It's how much God can do in and through me that shows his greatness and shows his glory. And we just need to grab hold of the capacity that God has. Uh, He has given it, Scripture tells us, he has given us everything that we need for life and for godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Everything we need for life and godliness. Richard Blackaby, the the Christian leader, uh, who might be able to point to any number of secular leaders and say that's what's made them great or they've you know been particularly gifted in certain areas. How does God look at the heart of the Christian uh, and the development of that Christian leadership? Because we're talking here, aren't we, about uh, issues of character which are different to the sorts of traits that we might look at in other people. Right, and I think ultimately God raises up leaders to glorify himself, not the leader. An atheist leader can use certain uh, basic leadership skills and make money and grow a company and make a name for himself. But a spiritual leader, ultimately, when when they've done their work, everybody's impressed with their God, and God's kingdom has grown. And the person may well have built a big company and may have raised great children, but but God will get the glory from that. And that's why a lot of these uh, CEOs that I work with, they lead Fortune 500 companies. They lead some of the, the top 10 and 20 companies in the world, and yet they're taking time several times a year to fly into a a hotel to meet with me and others because they're saying, even though I'm at the top of my game in business, I know there's things that are are missing. In in fact, um, there are two CEOs I work with that in in every way uh, uh, measurable, they're some of the most successful business people that you would ever meet, and yet both of them had children who committed suicide. And so these fathers are saying, I've made lots of money, but I feel like a complete failure. I feel like I somehow missed what really mattered. And uh, they, they're they saying, I, there's got to be more to this. And others are saying, I've got a great house, I've got lots of money, but I, I'm getting older and I feel like my life was meant for more than just accumulating money in a bank account or adding more square footage to my house. There has to be more to that. And that, those are the kind of people who are coming to me to saying, you know, I, I went to school learning how to make money and grow a company. But I realize as a Christian, there should be a lot more to my life, more meaning than that. And it, what I, I, I achieved everything the world says I should, and it feels empty to me. So help me to know how to live a life that I feel completely content and joyful in. You're talking about a different definition of that word success. Because if I was uh, the, an executive or the leader of a major company, I might be uh, looking at the, the bottom line each day to see how much money is in the bank, how much capital, uh, how much I'm worth, uh, whether uh, my office needs redecorating, uh, you know, what sort of car I drive, all of those uh, different, uh, those different fruits of what we see as a secular success. But you're saying that Christians uh, look at a, a different dimension or at least a, a new dimension that is not necessarily in the life of a secular leader. Yeah. Uh, how, how big a difference does it make to have God in your character leadership development? Well, you're going to just have a different focus. And uh, the people around you, you're going to bless the people. I, one of the things I ask these CEOs, some, some of them have 100,000 or uh, one oversaw a million employees that I work with. 
Uh, and I said, but but how does the person on the shop floor, how, how are they blessed because you're the CEO? And what difference does it make that you're a Christian if a guy 100,000 people down from you in the organizational chart, uh, what difference would that make? And and it's challenged these people to say, yeah, does my life bless anybody? Am I just adding more money for the investors or is my life expanding the kingdom? One guy I work with would make him, his company would, would turn over about half a billion dollars every year. Uh, but at one point he said, but you know what, well, I've been making all this money. He said, the kingdom of God has gone wanting. He said, the the spiritual condition of my nation has gotten worse when I, than when it was when I first entered into the business world. He said, the, 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 the darkness is overtaking my nation while I've been out making money. And he said, there's got to be, somehow while I'm in the business world, my life should be a light. Somehow the kingdom of God should be advancing because of what I do. And so you can be a very successful business person and still be expanding the kingdom of God at the same time. So sometimes when we see a Christian political leader, we can recognize the shadow that they cast, uh, which brings a tremendous influence uh, politically. Or we can see a successful, godly church leader, and we can say, yes, they are casting a big shadow, and they are influencing a lot of people. What you're saying is it's the same thing in the marketplace. Business leaders cast the same sort of shadow, and they can be an influence for God. Well, you know, isn't it interesting that when Jesus came and only had, he picked 12 men to be his disciples, and, and they were all business people. You know, like, why did he pick them? Why didn't he go to the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, uh, the, even the political leaders? But he went to the business community, pulled out fishermen and people that just knew how to earn a living, and said, you're, you're the exact kind of person that I can turn the world upside down with. And I don't think anything has changed from uh, that day to this. It's Neil with you. 2020, our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. We're talking about leadership this hour. You might like to contribute to our conversation. Do you think Australia's Christian leaders are prepared for the challenges that lie ahead? And is it important for Christian business people to think of their work as a ministry in the marketplace? Our two special guests this hour, Dr. Richard Blackaby and also Dr. Bob Royal and uh, taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Eleanor in Melbourne. Hello, Eleanor. Welcome along to 2020. Hello, Neil. Welcome to Melbourne, uh, <laughs> Richard and Bob. Welcome to be on board. I've got a question for you. At the moment, I've got somebody who's very close to me who's going through a phase of life that is not uh, that I cannot answer. And I've come alongside her to counsel her. And you have come into our section today to talk about leadership. But the question I want to ask her is, she's in her mid-40s and she's going through a lot of hard knocks in life at work. She's been made redundant a couple of times. And when the rubber meets the road, and she's also a very devout Christian, she reads the Bible and everything else. But the question is when heaven is silent and you mentioned about we are undermining God's ability. So how do I advise her or come alongside her to help her as a turning point of what I can do for her? Because she can read the Bible and everything else, Richard and Bob, but the thing is the word is not alive. The God word is not alive in her. So how do I restore her back into her walk with the Lord that she used to be before? I don't know what to do. And what you say is very true. We have made God so minute because our problem is so huge. And it's overwhelmed her. And at the moment, she's just down and about and she doesn't know what to do. So can you help me, Richard and Bob? Richard, what are your thoughts? Uh, Someone who's hit the wall in a a difficult 
crisis place. Uh, was uh, was your friend uh, in a leadership role, Eleanor? No, no. She's actually been made redundant a couple of times, and she's just like a very wounded warrior for the Lord in the workplace, but she's no longer working. And she's coming to me for counselling and everything. All I can do is to lift her up before God in prayer. And when she comes down a bit sad again, Neil, I'll do the same thing again for her from her. And the thing is when heaven is silent and we like to see ourselves, equating ourselves to be like Moses, but how long is the piece of string? Moses has gone through 40 years. She's been 40 years. So Okay, Eleanor, let's, let's hear from our guest. Uh, Richard, your thoughts on Eleanor's friend. Well, you know, it sounds like she's had a, a difficult uh, experience. I'm glad that she has a friend like you to uh, to come to. When I've had people come to me who are in that kind of situation, one thing is I always listen to what words they're using. And, uh, you know, when they're a Christian and they talk more about their problems than about God, right away that tells me what their focus needs to change. Um, and it doesn't necessarily change their circumstance, but it's amazing how if you talk about God and what he's doing instead of, your employer or your boss or your difficult circumstance, you can become so obsessed with your problems that 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 defines your life instead of letting God define your life. And what I've had to say to some people is, you know, I I pray that God will change your circumstance, maybe change your employment, but you know what, whether that happens or not, you can still enjoy God. Psalm 1611 says, in your presence is fullness of joy. And so what Scripture says is when you're enjoying and abiding in Christ, you can have the joy of, of the Lord in your life regardless of your employment situation. And so when a person loses their joy, um, I don't want to minimize their circumstance, but what that does tell me is they're no longer abiding in Christ. They're not enjoying his presence. And so you you can do that before any of your employment changes. And it's it's all ultimately about a relationship with God, not about getting a good boss or a good employment situation. Bob, do you have something to add? A lot of the work that I do is with pastors as well as uh, Christian marketplace leaders. And what I find with people in in vocational ministry is something propels them out to do that. Uh, They experience the blessing of God. They experience the call of God. And they just want to give. Now, that's a great impulse. But you can grow weary in well-doing. And you keep giving and giving and giving. And you become so busy sometimes that it at at the end of the day, you have nothing left in the well yourself. So I, I think in coaching, one of the things we do is to reconnect people to the work of God in their life. Uh, talk to them about times when God has refreshed their soul. What was it that drew them to doing the ministry they once did? Help them remember those times of refreshing and then draw them back into that rather than focusing on the problem, like Richard said, focus on the God who is greater than the problem. Eleanor, is that helpful to you? That's very helpful because you know why Richard and Bob, I've actually encouraged her every time when I read the scripture with her and everything that is very applicable to her, I always drum it into her and I say, God said that, I believe it, and that settled it. And I will say to her for a few hours and she'll be good. And the next few days when she comes back, she's back in the doldrum. And I don't know how to go on helping her because I don't live with her close by. But I want to encourage her. But I just don't know how because she finds that everything that she believes in God has become so delusional. This illusion, she doesn't know what to do. And I'm thinking, don't give up because God is holding on to you. And then she said, if God has got a higher calling for me, 
why do I have to go through this phase that is so prolonging for so many years? I have been unemployed. The market is so bad, and she doesn't know where to go. Mm. I don't know how to help. Well, her. Eleanor, you have uh, some extra skills there now to be able to implement and uh, sharing those things with your friend. Thanks so much for being with us today on Twenty Twenty. One eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. If you'd like to be part of our conversation, we are talking with our two guests, Doctor Richard Blackaby and Doctor Bob Royal. We're talking about leaders and leadership, and leadership when it comes to all of these different aspects of our lives, whether it's at home with our children as parents or whether we're talking, as we were with Eleanor, about a friend. Uh, we might be talking about the marketplace where you're in business. You might be talking about your role in your local church. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Our talkback line is open. Uh, let me come to you, uh, Bob, on uh, the issue of people in church and what pastors need to do uh, to raise up leaders in church. Do you think there's oftentimes not as much focus as needs to be when it comes to raising up leaders? I think that uh, Eugene Peterson, who's written a number of books, once said that pastors today have become a company of shopkeepers. They are concerned about shopkeeper matters, how to keep the customers happy, how to how to build the brand, all of that. But that's not what God called pastors to do. He called them to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and through the work with prayer and scripture and spiritual direction. And uh, and I, I think that a pastor's greatest work is to help somebody before them realize the call of God. Now, some people think that only pastors and missionaries are called. But if you look at Romans 1, and Paul says, and you too were called. He was speaking to all of the saints in that moment. We often think of calling as being a very narrow thing, don't we, of people who are leading the church, but calling is for all of us. Right. Gordon T. Smith in his book Courage and Calling said that we we really have three callings, and others would talk about others as well, but he, uh, calling to belong to God, calling to be engaged in ministry, and calling to take care of the responsibilities God has placed before you today. I like that definition. And and the question is, what has God called you to manage today? What has he put before you? Who has he put before you? And very often we are giving ourselves over to lesser things instead of being attentive to the work of God in people's lives around us. And that's one of the things that we do in this coaching workshop is we teach uh, 12 essential coaching skills, but we also integrate that with how does God work in people's lives. 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Helen in Cairns. Hello, Helen. Welcome along to 2020. Good, Helen. What are your thoughts? Or do you have a question? Well, uh, I would just like our speakers, if they could, if they've got any helpful advice for um, the dynamics of a family business. Uh, my sons have a very successful family business, but I find that um, obviously there's a, and they're Christians, but there's a different dynamic in a family business uh, where you get the, the order of the siblings and, you know, the family situations they're going through and so on. I'm just wondering, because our speakers have probably had quite a bit of experience in that sort of thing, where they've got some really um, top um, advice, the, the things, that the priorities that they would um, bring forward. Let's hear from Richard Blackaby. 
Well, that's a great question, and you know, I've I have worked with some of the uh, some families who lead some very large uh, businesses in America, and the ones that seem to have had the most success have been the ones who have uh, made sure that God was the focus of their business, not just simply that they were Christians, but that they actually prayed and sought what God wanted for their business. And and the the families I'm thinking of have. have actually uh, intentionally given many of the profits away to Christian causes. Uh, in one case, the family actually even just uh, put it in their will that uh, the the company would 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 not just revert back to the heirs, the family members, but would continue to be used for Christian purposes. And you know, sometimes uh, the problem, even with with great Christian families, is that money can uh, distract and it can uh, corrupt even where. The concerns become more about our money and what we do with it than seeing it as God's money and God's company and God's blessing. And uh, so I, the, the, the families I've seen that have had the most success have been the ones who have truly made sure that God was uh, the, the guiding factor and force of their, their business and that they took all their decisions to him. And it wasn't just a matter of the oldest child thinking that we should do this and the youngest child thinking we should do that but the whole family being God-focused and, and making decisions where they can point to scriptures and to their prayer and to seeking God and saying, we feel like this is what God would have our business do. And you're a lot safer that way than just taking a vote or just having a family meeting where everybody just argues their opinion. You can very quickly have a family company that ends up becoming very divided if, if you operate it that way. God at the centre of your business. Helen from Cairns, thanks so much for your call today on 2020, 1-800-316-316. If you have a question or a comment, let's hear from Wendy in Queensland. Hello, Wendy. Welcome along to 2020. Yes, um, and just remembering the model of the Lord, um, you know, when he said, I am your King and your Lord, um, but then he girded himself with uh, sackcloth, and proceeded to bow down and wash his disciples' feet. And he said, if I am your king and your Lord, and I do this, um, for who is greater, the one that is reclining or the one who is serving? And um, obviously the one Jesus said is the one who is being, the one who is reclining, who is being served. But if I am your king and your Lord and I serve you and... There's scripture here about by love serve one another. So Jesus was King and Lord and God. That Wendy, let's hear from Richard. Richard, this uh, area of servanthood, this is the real practical uh, nature of how leadership looks, I guess, when it is godly leadership. Your thoughts on what Wendy's sharing? Well, I think certainly Jesus was always the leader. There's never a question that he was leading the disciples, but he did it in a way that blessed his disciples, that ministered to them, that raised them up. And I think any great leader is going to raise up the people around them. If you're a great parent, you're going to raise your kids to become great adults themselves. And uh, it's not about you being in a position of uh, getting all the perks and the benefits. As a leader, there's a tremendous responsibility. And the way you always measure your your leadership is, were the people around me made better because I was their leader? 
Wendy from Queensland, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. 1-800-316-316. There may be time for another call or two. 1-800-316-316. Richard Blackaby, our guest, as well as Bob Royal, we're talking about leadership and not just leadership in the church, but leadership also in the marketplace. 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join in our conversation. Richard, another practical issue. When we talk about businesses, that are centred on God, not just on a secular management practice. How does that look? How do you bring Jesus into the boardroom? How do you bring Jesus into your regular leadership executive meetings? Well, and of course, it depends. I, I know people who lead publicly traded companies, and you, and some of them actually still will have a, open a, a, a meeting in prayer around the boardroom. That's not always possible, but uh, there is certainly a way to, to find who the Christians are in your company. I know CEOs who will pray with the Christians. They'll have prayer groups in their church that pray for them as they're making business decisions. And I know people that have to make decisions about laying off or shut up people or shutting down entire factories, and it, it, there's a huge weight upon their shoulders. They know they're going to affect a lot of families. And so people like that as Christians, they say, I need help. I need my church to support me and pray for me and give me counsel and and uh, so there's a you, when you're a leader, you you impact a lot of lives, and I think a Christian always carries the weight of that and wants their church to support them and help them in the process. You know, your culture in the United States and in Canada may be a little different to our culture here in Australia, and we might even think of ourselves as not really bringing all that God stuff into the boardroom, into the management meeting. But really the ideal is, uh, if you're a Christian leader and you want to bring God into the heart of your business, it really is to start with bringing him into those sorts of meetings, isn't it? Yeah, and you know, don't don't be too quick to say, I can't do that here. I grew up in Canada, which is very, very secular, much like here in Australia. And I, I know some people who've had some incredible boldness. And you, you need wisdom. You know, there's no formula. We're not here to say you need to start every board meeting with a, a 10-minute prayer or devotional all we would say is just just go ask God what he wants you to do in your business, and it might surprise you what you can actually do. It might be a one-on-one situation. I know some CEOs that on the side just trying to care for their vice presidents ultimately led some to faith in Christ, ultimately had some open up and discover they were hurting deeply but didn't know who, where to turn. And these Christian business leaders all of a sudden began having an enormous ministry uh, to their employees, and it wasn't official it was just simply responding each day to what the Spirit of God showed them to do. And if you just keep your spiritual eyes open, you might be amazed at where you see God working in your own company and business place. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Uh, Dr. Richard Blackaby, Dr. Bob Royal, our guests, and uh, into our last segment, just a few minutes to talk about leadership and what it takes uh, to turn your business into a real opportunity for mission. Uh, Richard, there's some people you've worked with and organizations in the United States. Uh, Tell us very quickly the story of a prison that you were working with, and uh, there was a major turnaround there. So I guess if you can turn around Uh prisons, you can turn around business and uh, for the glory of God. Yeah, I've had some great opportunities to meet people, just ordinary people that God has used mightily. And one of those certainly is a man named Burl Kane. He was uh, appointed the warden of Angola Prison in the state of Louisiana in America. It was considered the most violent prison in all of America. About 5,200 inmates, 
And uh, most of those were serving life sentences that they would never, ever be released. Most of them were murderers, violent uh, offenders. And uh, Burl came in there and just said, God, how can you use an ordinary person like me? I'm not a preacher. I'm not a seminary trained. I'm just a guy who runs a prison. And uh, God began to just show him. And one of the things he did was he actually offered the course Experiencing God that my father wrote to people on death row there. So many inmates became Christians that the violence actually dropped by 73% in that prison. And many of those inmates felt called to become pastors. And they ultimately started a, a Bible college in the prison. And then they started sending out missionaries to all the other prisons. They transferred two at a time. And play, prisons that received those inmates, violence would drop in those as well. And uh, interestingly, Billy Graham has uh, asked to be buried in a, in a coffin that's that's been built there at that prison. His wife is already buried in one. And many, many amazing stories of how God just got hold of one person and said, where you work, even though it seems very dark, very evil, uh, very secular, uh, one Christian who begins to be the light that God wants him to be can transform an entire workplace. And so that worker listening to our conversation now thinking my workplace is not a godly place, but you can start to make the difference. You need to just first wait on God. And impact the one person perhaps working in the cubicle next to you. You don't have to have a a, a company-wide revival the next day. Just begin to be the light and the salt to the people that your life is touching. And, uh, And don't tell God what he can't do through your life. You, he'll surprise you every time. Uh, well, listeners in southeast Queensland perhaps will benefit most uh, for the opportunity this week to see Dr. Richard Blackaby and Dr. Bob Royal, who are addressing some gatherings in Brisbane. And, uh, of course, you can get a hold of a whole lot of different books uh, that have been written by Richard Blackaby and uh, his father, one that was mentioned, one called Experiencing God, that was written by Henry, and then a revision included Richard as well. Now, the original, uh, I guess, uh, sold something like 7 million copies. Uh, So that's how popular these books have been around the world. Another book called Spiritual Leadership, and uh, that one uh, is all about moving people onto God's agenda. Uh, get a hold of that one where you can. You can find these books at good Christian bookstores. Let me just quickly say that those meetings that are on this week, there's a dinner on Thursday night at the Parliamentary Annex at the Queensland Parliament House. That'll be the start of a conference that goes through Friday and on Saturday. And this week too, there's a three-day workshop that's running from tomorrow through to Thursday at the Corporate House Building in Murray in Brisbane. It's all about the dynamics of spiritual leadership coaching. Thank you, gentlemen, for being part of 2020 today. It's great to be with you. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.